mean, how do you do this? This is a really good question. I mean, God is all-knowing and everywhere. How do you run from God? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV, taking you through the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. We've been doing that for 33 years. It's very exciting. Today, we are going to look at the prophet Jonah. Very, very interesting as we focus on this, it's going to be challenging. So stay there. We'll talk about it in two minutes time. Corey and Ryan are here. Corey? Well, of course, because we are in the Old Testament book of Jonah, I'm going to be taking a look at the famous and historical city of Nineveh. Ryan? Today, I'm spotlighting one of my YouTube videos here on the show, and I call this segment The Rundown because it's all about Jonah's attempted escape from God. Very interesting. Janice? Today, trust and obey. Take out your Bible guide. If you don't have one, stay there. We'll tell you how to get one. Let's open up the Bible and listen to what God says. Jonah 1, 1 through 16. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God, and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship, had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, "'What do you mean, sleeper?' Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Please tell us, for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? So he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to return to land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, 
please do not let us perish for this man's life, and do not charge us with innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 16. Have you ever noticed how much hate surrounds the nation of Israel today? I mean, it's incredible. There are nations that are just wanting to kill Israel and wipe them off the map. There are whole countries and whole movements that not only want to see the physical country wiped from the map, but would like be happy if Israelis everywhere and Jews were gone too. This really shouldn't be a surprise to us because when we look at history, there have always been nations that have hated Israel. There is also no doubt that God historically called the nation of Israel to fulfill his will on the, on the, on the earth. Now, Genesis 32 tells us this, and Jesus was born of Abraham's descendants in the promised land. With the Apostle Paul reminding us that we battle against the spiritual world, that's Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it's no wonder that there is great hate towards a country that God has a great history with. In today's reading, we see the prophet Jonah responding poorly against some of the historic hate. Jonah did not want to go prophesy to Israel's enemies in Nineveh. They were horrible. They hated Israel. And Jonah was an Israelite. He did not want God to show these people any mercy. But God forces the issue with him. Now, this is a great story about God's mercy to people who are in darkness and his desire for all to come to him in repentance. That means a change towards sin, doesn't it? Very interesting. As we begin to focus on Jonah, I, again, I, I want to say that this is a challenge because Jonah himself does not end well. Now, the, of course, the prophet ends well, but Jonah himself as a person does not find his end in this book well. And some of us may be in that place today. But let's understand that God is trying to speak to us and show us how. So take your Bible guide, turn to Jonah. This is a great passage of scripture. If you don't have a Bible guide, call us or write to us or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. And when you click on Bible Discovery TV, it'll take you to a place where you can see the guide. And when you click the guide, it takes you to a donate page. Thank you so much for your donations. We very much appreciate it. Holy Spirit will talk to you and tell you what to uh, what to give and all that stuff. So that's very, very important. But today, God's mercy. That's I can't think of a better title when we're talking about Jonah than to talk about the mercy of God. Father, I pray today in the name of Jesus Christ that you would help us now to understand your mercy. Lord, I know there's people that don't like us. I know there's people that hate us. I know all of that. But Father, I also know of your mercy and your grace that is greater than all our sin and that has forgiven us. We were blind, now we see. We were lost, now we're found because of your grace. 
Help us, Father, today to see this. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. All right, let's take a look at Jonah because this is a very interesting first chapter. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, arise and go to Nineveh, that enemy city of Israel, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Well, Jonah's good for that, but Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish. From the presence of the Lord. He wanted to run from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Why? Why was he doing that? Well, first of all, we cannot run from God. I mean, think about it. God made everything. You can't run from God. People still try to run away from God, but it's impossible. God is sovereign. You know, you can't hide from God and you can't run from God. You, you just, you, you can't do it. God made everything. He knows everything. You can't do it. And Jonah knew this. And he knew that the presence of the Lord, he realized that the people would repent because his message was so strong. He did not want them to repent. He wanted them to die. God doesn't want evil people to die. God does not want evil people to terrorize the world. He desires that people come to know him, that they learn to love the Lord Jesus Christ with all their heart, soul, and strength. Now this gets interesting because watch how this goes. Jonah chapter one, verse four, but the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship was about to be broken up. And then the mariners were afraid and every man cried out to his God and they threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea. They lost all their the reason they were going to where they were going to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. Jonah had gone away from it. So the captain came to him and said, what do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. And then they said to him, please tell us for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation and where do you come from? What, what is the country and, and what people are you? So he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. And then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. And then they said to him, what is or what shall we do to you that the sea may calm for us? For the sea was growing more temptuous. And he said to them, pick me up, throw me into the sea, and then the sea will become calm for you. For I know this is a great tempest because of me. Let me tell you what God said. Jonah would rather die than submit to the call of God. He'd rather die. God's presence is all around us, so we would do well to make our decision about him now. Make your decision about Jesus now. He's right there. Jonah wanted to get, he wanted to die. Some other things happened. But let's go back to the ship. I want to focus on this. 13 to 16, nevertheless, the men of, 
had rowed hard to return to the land and could not, for the sea continued to grow more temptuous and against them. Therefore, they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life and do not charge us with innocent blood for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea and the sea ceased from raging. And then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Let me tell you something. The sailors who were in trouble came to know the Lord because of Jonah, even though Jonah didn't want that to happen. You see, when we do as God commands, we will win people to the Lord, whether we want to or not, whether we feel good about it or not, whether we desire to do it or not, whether, because God's will is that everyone comes to know the Lord, everyone, including you. Come to Jesus Christ. Come to the Lord. You can't run away from his presence, and he's calling you right now. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you clap and when you get excited, you are celebrating life. Do you understand that? Jesus Christ gave us life. But he promised that the Holy Spirit would be sent. All right. Well, as we study the Old Testament book of Jonah, obviously Jonah's assignment was to go to the ancient city of Nineveh. Now, the Bible actually has quite a bit to say about this ancient city, uh, both directly and on the peripherals of its history as well. So let's take a look at the history of the city of Nineveh beyond its scope just in Jonah. We'll look at it in Jonah, but we'll look at it beyond that as well. Take a look. The ancient city of Nineveh was settled very early on in human history, and while it was an important part of the Assyrian Empire, it had to wait until the reign of King Sennacherib to finally become the capital city of Assyria. Before the days of Sennacherib, Nineveh was known primarily for its temple to the pagan goddess Ishtar, and it must have at least served as part-time residence for Assyrian kings, as evidenced by the early royal palaces there it would have been to this city that the prophet Jonah was sent. According to a reference in 2 Kings 14, Jonah lived shortly before or during the reign of Jeroboam II of Israel, which places the events of the book of Jonah before Nineveh's heyday as capital of Assyria, but in a time when her temple and royal palaces made her a prominent city and symbol of Assyrian power. After the days of Jonah, Assyrian King Sennacherib made Nineveh his capital. He rebuilt its walls and 15 gates. He dug a moat, built an 80-room palace that he famously called the Palace Without Rival, and filled it to the brim with carved walls and sculptures. Sennacherib also planted public parks and gardens throughout the city with trees and foliage from all over his empire, and dug multiple irrigation channels to support this plant life. His son, Esarhaddon, continued his father's building in this city, but chose to build a new palace for himself after part of Sennacherib's was burnt in the aftermath of his murder. The last great king of Assyria was Sennacherib's grandson, who is famous for building a great library at Nineveh. He sent scholars and scribes throughout the empire to collect tens of thousands of texts that he stored in his capital. 
The project was a great success, but just as the biblical prophets Nahum and Zephaniah predicted, it wouldn't last. Only a few years later, in 612 BC, the city was destroyed by the emerging Neo-Babylonian Empire. From the writings of later historians, it's believed that the attackers dammed the tributary that flowed through the city to cause flooding that weakened the foundation of part of the wall which provides collaboration for Nahum's prophecy of Nineveh's destruction. So there we go, just a quick report on the overarching history of a really interesting city. Yeah, it, it is interesting. And Jonah, of course, talks about Nineveh and uh, Nahum uh, is somebody who comes Absolutely. about 150 years later, 100 to 150 years later. And uh, it, it all of this prophecy does come about. Yep. But I mean, they... They really responded well, and uh, you at know, first, at yeah. first, mm -hmm. because I mean, they they even yeah. the animals fasted. Yeah, yeah, like, it was the really, yeah, the livestock. Yes, yeah, the king wanting to make sure that they're serious. <laughs> well, they were serious. Very yeah. interesting. All right, Ryan. All right. So today we've been studying the short but really fascinating book of Jonah, and there's so much that we could talk about here, but. Today, I really want to focus on Jonah's attempted escape from the Lord because there's something here that I don't want us to miss. And the author, who very well may be Jonah himself, doesn't want his readers to miss it either. And how do I know this? Well, because he gives us some textual clues using key words. There's a critical life lesson to learn through Jonah's experience. Check it out. Hi friends, I'm Ryan Hembry, and today I want to talk about the biblical prophet Jonah and his attempted escape from God. So grab your Bibles and let's go. Okay, so the book of Jonah, while it's very short and to the point, is both action-packed and full of important life lessons. It opens with these words. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So Jonah, for reasons he explains later, disobeys God's command by running away to Tarshish, which was in the completely opposite direction. He was running away from God. And notice the key words in this passage, because at every stage on his journey away from God, Jonah goes downward. The literal Hebrew says that he went down to the port of Joppa, then he went down to the ship, then he went down into the hold of the ship where he fell into a deep sleep. So in a literal, metaphorical, and spiritual sense, Jonah went down as far as he could go. But he was about to be brought down even lower because God sent a mighty storm that was so bad, Jonah ended up going overboard. And listen to the language Jonah uses to describe his descent into the deep. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. The waters surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. The weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. So Jonah went down, down, down until he couldn't go down any further. This key word is a clue that the author is trying to teach us something through these very real events. And I think his point is crystal clear. And it's this, the more we separate ourselves from God, the giver and sustainer of life, the closer we get to death, both physical and spiritual. 
Notice that as Jonah descends closer and closer to physical death, Jonah pictures himself, his soul, as being imprisoned in Sheol, the realm of the dead. But when Jonah turns his life back over to God, God reverses Jonah's descent. In Jonah's own words, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. God rescued the repentant Jonah from death by way of a great fish. And just like Jonah, without God, we too are dead in the water. But when we turn to him, he saves us from death and raises us up by way of Jesus Christ. So one of the main lessons that we learn from the book of Jonah is that a life lived apart from God is a path to death because God is the giver and the sustainer of life. This is a very common theme throughout the Bible. But when we repent, humble ourselves, and turn to God, he saves us from death through Jesus Christ. Believe on him and you will be saved. When, when we talk about believe on him, we're talking about a name that is very unusually strong. Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach. Very, very important to hear that name. And that name is what we teach in right here on this program in every state and every country we are on. That's what we teach Jesus Christ, his name. Okay, Janice. Well, and Ryan, in that line of thinking, when we live humbly and repentant before the Lord, we learn how to trust and obey. And that is a difficult thing, both of those things, to trust and obey. And I know some of you are sitting at home saying, I wonder if she's going to sing that song. Well, maybe I will. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Trust and obey. That's something that Jonah learned the very hard way. And you know what? My heart goes out to him because he knew God's mercy. He knew God's great love. And he did not want to go to Nineveh and preach repentance to a people that he didn't feel deserved it. And you know what? We can all relate to that, I'm sure. And that's something that we have to trust God in. And I have run away from things that God has assigned me to. Maybe you have too. And I have had to learn in my life that there comes a trust that we develop in the faithfulness of God. See, Jonah trusted in the mercy of God. He knew that if these Ninevites would repent, God would forgive them and hold back his judgment. That was hard. That was a hard thing for Jonah to accept. And he knew that he couldn't run. He tried, but he knew. And even in his mistake, isn't it so amazing to see that even when Jonah messed up, the sailors on that ship ended up in, in a conversion to the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we see that in verse 16. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. They understood the power of this God that Jonah followed. Even going into it, they knew that by throwing Jonah over the side of the boat into his death, they feared the repercussions of Jonah's God. 
But even in Jonah's big mess up here in the ship, it brought conversion. You know, it's so important for us as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ to trust in God and to obey him in his word. Did you hear what I said? To trust in him and his faithfulness in what he has told us, because what he has told us in his word is true and it will come to pass. And so we need to trust in his word, in him, in his faithfulness, and obey. We need to follow what God does. And sometimes we resist. But let us, as the children of God, let us be soft and pliable enough to come to him and say, please help me. You know, our kids, and I've known other kids, and I'm sure I did too, would have little temper tantrums. And you know, we we try to push, we try to push to see how far, where that line is. And God is merciful, but God does want us to respond in trust and obedience to him. So at the end of this story worked out well. Um, Jonah was still ticked off. He was ticked off. After the the Ninevites, Came back to the Lord. Came back to the Lord. But it's such a powerful... Ryan, you're so right when you say there's just so much packed Mm, in mm -hmm. to the verses here. Mm -hmm. I mean, we could do an entire program or two. On this. Just on this. It's so rich. And so when you read it, try not to read it like it's a Sunday school story about Jonah and the whale. Stop and ask God to really illuminate what his Holy Spirit is trying to get across to us in this, because it is rich and it is full. But my takeaway today is trust and obey. If you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no other way. We need to trust in him, trust in his word, and follow and obey what he does. We are to be a light. We are to be the salt in this world. We are to be the ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to remember that. God is everywhere, and you need to come to know the Lord. And let me explain that Jesus Christ is as close as the mention of his name. Simply pray to him if you want to know the Lord Jesus today, Yeshua HaMashiach, very important. Say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. I believe you died on the cross and rose again. Help me, Lord, be the Lord of my life in Jesus' name. Amen.